Venivores, a podcast about hunting for people who don't hunt, or haven't hunted, or haven't hunted much, want to learn, or want to learn. Feel that tingling in the back of my neck. You have to be there. You have to be there. You, you don't know it at the time, yeah. you know, but it sticks with you all your life. And you you don't experience those things unless you are a hunter. Alright, welcome back to the new Venivores podcast, a podcast about hunting for people who don't hunt or want to know more about hunting, want to get involved in hunting, uh, want to learn how, and it's about fishing too. Uh, we're here in North Dakota, Bismarck to be exact, I'm comfortable with saying that, I think we've, if you've listened at all, you know where we're at You probably pieced point. it together by now. Yeah, because yeah, we said this is where we're from, so I'm Tony Martinson. This is Adam Miller. And uh, you mentioned fishing, and that's kind of what uh, most of today is going to be about, I think. Yeah, we're, so. s- we're still in your basement here. Um, and your lovely and talented wife was nice enough to be keeping an eye on our kids running in the backyard while we're recording yep. here. And uh, we talked a lot about, so far, uh, like adventure hunts, why to hunt, mm-hmm. the some of the deeper philosophical stuff how to plan out your hunt what to do um and that's great but i think a lot of times for people with a family like this right that's somewhat inaccessible especially with work and life schedules and all that stuff right we're kind of targeting that those like that group of people like right. a lot of a you know we're happy to have any listener but we're really targeting like adult onset hunters right that, you know, either got away from it or never did it, you know, and And now it's like they're in a position where they can go. Right. So it makes sense to like approach it from that. Right. And one of the, what I have found to be some of the biggest barriers in that is the things we've discussed so far, just general lack of knowledge on the subject and how to get started. So I think we've uh, given some decent ways to go about that. Right. Um, But the other bit is the time commitment. And I mean... A lot of cases, especially if you have young families like we do, you're not bringing the kids. You're not bringing the wife, right? Depending on the situation, and they can come yeah. with, but they're not going to put the time in right. in the woods with you to, you know, stock down uh, a deer or they're, in some cases, maybe not in the next few years, but a little bit too young to get out in the field with shotguns yeah. flying around. Oh, yeah. my, my ultimate goal is to get my For kid sure. gets to those, you know, point, but you know, it's, I can't bring a two year old out into the duck blind. No doubt. You know, and so. if you did, they would blow it for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that wouldn't be the worst thing. I fully no. expect my kids to blow more than one. Oh, for sure. For sure. And um, I'm a big fan of early and often when it comes to this too. Like, right. and you know, really, uh, instilling that culture from the beginning with your kids mm-hmm. but for adult onset hunters people coming back to it I think it can be a barrier to entry is the time with a family right so what we, uh, we want to talk about this time is some more accessible ways to get out in the wild places and procuring your own food protein protein or otherwise yeah. uh, in a ways that are more accessible and right now, it's again, we're recording about halfway through July, and 
we've said before we're both fair weather fishermen we do it when there's not much else going on but that's a great way to get kids involved and started families right all that sort of stuff especially open water fishing and yeah and figuring out some things on your own of just yeah you know not to even kind of know a little bit of uh who you are, you know, right. if, you know, it's, I would say it's easier to play a fish than it is to, you know, for mentally to mm-hmm. then to gut a deer, you right. know, like, right. <laughs> you right. know, you're a little bit more removed from a fish, mm-hmm. you know, but you'll find out quick, fast and in a hurry if you're squeamish around yes. blood <laughs> yes. or anything, you know, just by flaying a fish first, you know, rather than. You know, before you tackle on something that's a little more warm-blooded, so... And there's a element of, like, slimy... There's there's a bit of an ick factor with fish, ick, I think, for certain people. There's an icky factor, yeah. Yeah, so that, uh, if it's something that you want to get more involved in, is a good place to start getting over that. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> you, and you are going to have to. Uh, yes. You know, if you're a person, you know, and I hope... Well, you know, that, there's still some adults I know that still can't get over this. Is like they, I know adults that won't flay fish. They won't flay fish, or if they catch a fish, they need someone else to take it off their hook. Yeah. Or if to they gotta have hook. they gotta have somebody else bait their hook. And I and I, I don't want to be judgmental, but come on, just do it yourself. <laughs> just do it. Yeah, come on. Yeah, (laughs) you know those are what we call price of admission in this activity, and you're gonna have to pay it. We talk about people being soft, and you know what? That's that's baby shit soft right there. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, yeah, yeah. Um, There's also uh, fishing is like pretty accessible in most places, though, right? Yeah. So most states, unless you're in a desert, which you might be have waterways that are entirely fishable and resident mm-hmm. licenses to go fishing are usually very long lived licenses throughout the year that are relatively cheap. Actually, I think I read somewhere like Arizona has the most like registered boats of like any state. Well, there you go then. <laughs> so don't they have that like party lake Havasu though or something yeah. like that? That's probably I don't know. I'm not from Arizona. I won't go. <laughs> you know, maybe they're not all fishing. Maybe, yeah, maybe they are. But I bet you could fish it. Wake, yeah, maybe they're wakeboarding or whatever. But the point is yeah. that, like, even the deserts, yeah. you know, there's some water there. Yeah, you can go fishing, and it's relatively close. It's in your neighborhood, like we talked about, mm-hmm. and it's a good place to start. Um, I mean, it's we grew up going, I grew up going on the uh, Sikakawea a lot. Yep. And mm-hmm. I was saying, I actually just went fishing last weekend on the Missouri and it, we were saying too, like uh, one thing coming back again as an adult, the and especially in Minnesota with all the water there and fishable water and the fishing culture, I was surprised by the specialization in the fishing. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to go fishing? What do you want to go fishing for? Tactics are different right. based on what you're fishing for. And when we grew up, it was all right. Put a leech on a jig and bounce that. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't work, throw a minnow on a spinner and troll that and if that doesn't work throw a spoon out and troll that and if that doesn't work go somewhere else and try those three things right <laughs> you know well it's it's funny is that it, it, you like for like hunting you can see what you're looking for mm-hmm. with like fish you know some there is some sight fish on most part you're throwing a line out and you're waiting you know you don't know what you're going to necessarily catch yeah you know but like people like underneath that line of water where you can't see into, you know, that you can imagine that there is a habitat down there which is as diverse mm-hmm. as the as the land above it. Yep. You know, and picking that apart, you know, when you mention 
certain things like that, you know that you know you target certain areas for certain fish. Right. So, uh, you, you know, again, finding a target species, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, and Walleye figuring that out. Pike. You know, and th- and there is definitely crossover habitat with you know within waters. Obviously, that are gonna have. You you can cast out and you might catch any number of ten different species or what have you. And the lake we fish, largemouth bite on everything you throw out there. <laughs> yeah, you know, but you know, with the largemouth there might be crappie and bluegill, you know, uh, northern northern musky. Bite. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, there could be any number of things. So uh, that that is a lot of what's something again that really appeals to a lot of fishermen. You know, similar to like somebody that hunts ducks over water is that. Just the number of species and in mm-hmm. cool things that you can find out there, I guess. So, right. You know. And you don't need a sparkly bass boat with the foot-controlled mm-hmm. troll motor and all that stuff. Right. Uh, I live across the street from the Rum River, mm-hmm. and we, me and my four-year-old can grab fishing poles and walk across the street and mm-hmm. go down the banks and throw in and pull fish out of there. Right. Um and it's just one of those things that's extremely accessible mm-hmm. and even getting started if you know nothing about it and you want to buy a fishing pole if you live anywhere in a state that has any kind of fishing culture there there's going to be a shop mm-hmm. they probably have like it says live bait painted on the side of the building probably <laughs> and there's all sorts of stuff in there and you can go in and if it's a fishing shop right. you can talk to whoever's there and just like the gun store they'll be happy to tell you about what will help you and what to do where and all that stuff what is it your mother-in-law has that saying oh about? there are three rules yeah oh, traveling <laughs> on the road uh don't stay in a hotel with a number in the name uh sorry motel sex super eight and <laughs> on and on and on uh one of the, the other one is uh never eat at a place that also sells live bait <laughs> And there's a third one. I don't remember what it is. But, but, but that's the important one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure if I agree with that, but whatever. Yeah, I've, eaten, I've had some pretty amazing meals at places that sell bait. For sure. <laughs> like those uh, mom and pop places that's, uh, you know, a diner and a gas station and a bar. And also they have like the minnow bubbler in the corner. And you, you can know, get a scoop just, of fatheads while you're there. I just call that convenient. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's a good old-fashioned general store. Mm-hmm. So even as somebody who grew up a little bit more in the fishing culture, like I said, it's a little bit uh, surprising the amount of different things mm-hmm. that there are to fish with. Now, around here, uh, a lot of people like to fish for walleye, right? Um, which even in Bismarck, we'll pull those out of the Missouri. Right. Um, Northern Pike, you mentioned before that... Uh, Lake uh, Sakakawea is a world-class northern pike fishery. Yep. And we get those two more in my area. It's what uh, the slang is, the hammer handles, the little short ones. Slimers, snot slimers, rockets. Yeah. <laughs> and the big ones are gators. Gator. <laughs> um, Slew shark. Yeah. Any number of mm-hmm. terms for them, you know. Some um, more derogatory than others. <laughs> what we found, though, and what uh, I grew up in this, back to the point I made about uh, lake culture last time is when I was growing up we used to go to this place on Dead Lake in Minnesota and it had the cabin quote unquote was uh, like trailer mobile home trailer single wide mm-hmm. pink 
1963 or something, complete with the wings on the back with the brake lights and everything on there. Mm-hmm. And we went there, and we used to catch panfish off the dock all day long, sunfish. That's Crow- some, that's black some, crappies. Yeah, that's some of my favorite things still. Is right. I love chasing bluegills. And it's great for kids. <laughs> right. Great for kids because you hook them up with a bobber, you get their depth right, yeah. you can tell them, shh. <laughs> they'll hear you yeah don't scare the fish away and keep your eye on that bobber and they go dad this and mom that and you yeah. go oh, watch that bobber I think I saw it ripple a little bit and yeah. then they're on there you know <laughs> and I don't know it's weird like we said before kids would probably hate or not like to see me take apart a bear because he sleeps with a teddy bear every night <laughs> but they get I don't know if I've seen more excitement than when that bobber goes down and they're reeling it in they oh, yeah. the fish out Mine sounds the same way. There's he loves some, fishing. There's <laughs> something in the DNA there that is amazing for right. kids, and they love it. And again, it's getting out there. It's learning that way to identify the ecology in your area. It's learn the waterways is a key to the habitat mm-hmm. above water yeah. too, right? So and, you know, and then there's you know when you're catching something that you're gonna eat, you know, there's that tangible part to it right. as well. You're gonna eat you it. Know? So you know that's how. Like I said, I, I've never sheltered my son from the idea that uh, some, you know, generally speaking, an animal is going to have to die for him to consume protein. Right. You know, so it's, uh, um, I've never done that. You know, I'm not going to, unsolicited parenting advice is the douchiest right. thing on the planet. <laughs> so, but, you know, that's that's always been one of my wife's take on it is we're not going to, you know, there's ways to break it to them easy. Don't but, soft sell it, though. Yeah, but, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie to him about that. So I think fishing is a great, really easy way to, to you know, cross that barrier. Well, that's so. a, just like just like the NPR episode I listened to about mm-hmm. people not knowing that. That's always going to be the case. Mm-hmm. So... And all, it always has been, you know. These, right. You know, I, I just... I, these people that say, like, God... Oh, you know that they basically want to remove humans from the from the from that system, yeah. and it's like we've Impossible. always we've always been part of that system. Impossible. You know. Yeah. You know it. It's you know. And if you think about it a little bit, it's impossible to do. Right. So you'll realize that. Quickly. You know, you're not. You're correct. You're creating your own fallacy. Right. If you think that, uh, think otherwise, I guess, and. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if if you can't see that, I don't think we'd have a lot to discuss, honestly. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I have found that to be, when it comes to family time, now I'm not talking about, when it comes to fishing, if I'm going to do it, there's some learning the waterways and things that you're on mm-hmm. um, that is involved. And I like to do that personally. I like to get up in the morning when I have the time and I can make the time get on the boat early, spend the day, mm-hmm. you know, midday is usually not great time for fishing depending on the time. So, you know, take a break yeah. midday, go out for the evening again. Right. Um, and depending on the age of your kids, that's something that's really fun for them to be out there and do. Right. And, you know, or if you have a husband, wife, grandma, brother, sister, mm-hmm. aunt, uncle, niece, nephew, you're not asking a week long hunting trip or a weekend Getaway for them to watch your kid is I'm going to go out fishing for a few hours even right. if you can't take them with. And that can be very productive. At, yeah. If you have the right spot at the right time, you know, to 
catch a limit of mm-hmm. whatever or enough just enough for a meal you know you catch two nice walleyes that's a meal man you don't need yeah, to fill, for sure. you don't need to fill a limit and you get fresh fish for sure you know so and it's uh, it's not as complicated as the fishing shows like to make it you know yeah it's a fish it's you know you're already smarter than the fish <laughs> <laughs> you know you don't need to uh, complicate it with you know it, it, you know same thing with hunting you can make it as inexpensive or as expensive as you want right uh you know and one of the better pan fishermen i know was a 93 or 4 year old man yeah i was giving him a hard time because he doesn't even use the reel anymore yeah it's, it's just always out and he flops the whole thing like hour or like just way too much line flops it out over the edge of the boat and it sits there and he his bobber goes down and like a cane pole, he just lifts it way up and back and flops <laughs> but he, it in the bottom. But he of the doesn't boat. have an actual cane pole. No, he just doesn't use the reel. And I was like, "What's the matter? Is your reel broken?" And he goes, "What are you talking about? <laughs> get that fish off my line for me, though." Because <laughs> down and get it out of the bottom of the boat. So I mean, earn your keep. And it's, I'm, I'm sure the things the reel is broken. He's just been using it for forever and figured it out that way. So yeah, yeah, just to make the point that. <laughs> I mean, you can fish with you know, a line to string, really. You know, and well, yeah, I and mean, it's funny, it's that overwhelming thing we talk about being soft, you know, we're also so dependent on some of these right. things. It's like, man, it's like you'd swear nobody ever caught a fish before, before yeah. Shimano was invented. Or, you know, <laughs> well, you know, and I see that a lot of that, too, on because as I've been getting more into fishing, especially in a state with fishing culture as much as it is mm. in Minnesota... I follow some things like wired to fish and things like that. And boy, I want to get like a breakdown pole with a good variety of tackle Mm -hmm. and a nice reel that I can like, that's packable that I can bring with places like on my back, strapped to my pack, whatever. So I can have it with if Mm -hmm. we're out hunting or backpacking or something somewhere I can go fishing. But do you want a casting rod or a trolling rod or a reels package or whatever? And I'm like, I just want to fish, right. <laughs> you know? And yeah, you know, it's universal and they're specialized, but sorry. Right. But uh, I was noticing that these guys that really do a lot can get down into the weeds of the technical aspects of at this time for this fish, do this in these places with the shade and the this and that. And I'm not saying they're not right, but no. you can be successful without complicating it that much. And right. it's one of those things that's easily accessible to be successful without complicating it that much. You know, and I like I I keep it simple. You know, like yeah. most of my stuff is gonna be universal. I use right around a, a six foot medium action rod. Mm-hmm. Some I have that are nicer. Um, when I worked at a sporting goods store, I would spend the money because I got such a ridiculous discount on it, mm-hmm. and I would buy those nicer rods. Now that I don't. Like, I don't buy those nicer rods anymore. Like, And a rod can be an investment, too. You spend the money, yeah. and it's good for years. You know, and, it, and, it, and some of it depends on what you want to do. I can, like, I kind of break it down either to a jigging rod or a, a trolling rod. Yeah. You know, so jigging... you want to feel the action in the jig a little more, Yeah, right? so, yeah, a jigging rod, my rods are a little bit sen- a little more sensitive, so mm-hmm. I can feel that little more finesse bite, or I can feel the bottom a little better. A negative bite, maybe. Yeah, yeah. so... You know, all a jig is is a piece of lead or tungsten or whatever that's molded onto a steel uh, hook, you know, and on that hook is where you put your bait. So, you know... Typically, you bounce that off the bottom. It's weighted so it goes down to the bottom, and you feel that. You pull it up, let it drop to the bottom. Pull it up, let it drop to the bottom. 
you know, so what a fish is looking for often when they're going to hit a jig is like that action. They like they like to hit on the way down, you know, so mm -hmm. you, you want to create a lot of movement. So like, you know, there's a lot of guys, you know, live bait is still king, you know. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of money to be spent on artificial, you know. Plastics. As plastics, thick, you know, but I, it's, you know, in, in certain times, like a plastic, you know, will outfish just about uh, anything, but like, you know, a live bait, I think, will always work. Yeah, and, and you know, somewhere at some time, you know, you might have to move around a little bit, you know, but if you know, a fish is always willing to take a live bait just because it's real, you know. Well, and I don't know <laughs> about know? I, I haven't done a lot of fishing outside of the region, right. and there's a whole nother aspect to saltwater fishing. We're talking freshwater right. inland fishing here, but uh, it's another thing you can get the kids involved with. Mm -hmm. You're at a place, tell the kids to go dig worms. Yeah, for night crawlers, <laughs> boy, they're gonna have a lot of fun out there. Find right. a wet patch of dirt and have them dig up some night crawlers, and then that's even more rewarding for them when they throw it on a line and get a fish. Yeah, or then, I mean, depending on how squeamish you are, go pull some leeches out of that <laughs> the edge of that uh, lake over yeah. there. You know? you know, for younger kids, it's like a rite of passage to be playing in the middle bucket. Oh, for sure, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> that keeps them occupied for a long time. Right, definitely. <laughs> You know, so, I mean, and that's usually the first thing I reach for is that super simple jig, you know, yep. you know that usually you buy these things are 50 cents or less per mm -hmm. jig. I've started pouring my own just to get different colors I like, and I happen to have a whole bunch of lead. Yeah. So, but it's, you know, I wouldn't get into the weeds with that a lot just because, like, I don't fish enough to really justify, like, you know, having six million different colors like i could just right. have my favorite colors right you know so i'm, I'm a pink and white guy <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not entirely convinced that the fish really care either some it days it makes on, all the sense makes all the difference in the world I, depends I, I on the visibility in the lake and all yeah, that stuff i, too, I don't get it and it drives me insane because uh, uh, i try to keep things i guess consistent you know but it's funny in this the sh smallest thing yeah can you know you change from a pink and white over to a green or whatever and over to a yellow yeah. and pink yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. it just it drives me nuts I'm like the fish cannot tell I'm like apparently I can so well <laughs> and uh the two best or well two best fishermen I know one of them they both live on the lake or have places on the lake where we do one of them lives there full time he fishes like 285 days a year or something like that he keeps a journal mm. and of Every day when he went, what the temperature was, cloud cover, barometric pressure, wind direction, yeah, well, <laughs> water then. temperature, all that stuff. Because he was like fascinated by trying to figure that out. Because right. last year when we were ice fishing, he said, you know, from this day to this day, they were hitting on those stinked up plastics like you wouldn't believe in it. Turned on one day and turned off three weeks down the road right. for who knows why. Yeah. And then they started liking fatheads again. <laughs> you know, so like, and then the other guy is probably the best fisherman on the lake as far as we know, and he runs the same rig all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's just... Just presents it a different way? Just, I mean, it's a spinner troll rig, and he just goes to different places, works different places, and puts the time in in the boat. And runs the same rig think, almost all the time. I think I'd like him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
We do so, not a small amount of beer drinking in that boat sometimes, too, so that's part of the fun. That's his strategy. That's awesome. At least you're having fun, even if you're not well, catching something. You know, And that doesn't need to be a part of it with the kids and whatever, but, you know, that's another thing is it's part of being out there, too, is, like, the having fun with it. Right, you know, and it's it's easy to just... If you're not catching things when you're fishing, to pack it in too. Right. Like, you know, when it's not fun. So Yeah, the, <laughs> the commitment you put into being out there is not necessarily the same you would put into being out there small game hunting or large game hunting. Mm. So if it's not really productive, you can pack it in and try again later, even that day. Right. If you're in a, lucky enough to be in a place, close that's, place that's close. So. And similar to like hunting, generally speaking, like the best fishing is early morning and late evening, I think, is what you're getting at. Right for the golden hours on yeah, both sides. For a lot of species, you know, I think I read once somewhere that like the first hour of the day is worth all the rest, yeah. with the except except for the last hour, which is worth everything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm I'm more of an evening fisherman too. too. Like. You know, I want to be, but oftentimes with, like, family commitments, it's, e- right. it's easier to be a morning fisherman because, you know, right. just because, you know, other things go on in the afternoon because, like, nobody, not as many people are, as, you know, crazy as I am, like, getting like, up at four type of deal. So. Right, right. And, I mean, the way that us fair-weather fishermen do it, you're tip- we're typically recreating in other ways in those places when we right. have the opportunity to go fishing unless I'm walking across the street. Mm-hmm. So, uh the opportunity to get the kids involved is later in the evening too. So if you want to get out there and do it, right. you can do either. So, and, uh, also, I mean, it's super easy if you're at a place with the kids, mm-hmm. you can just say, Hey, you want to go fishing? They don't care if it's the middle of the day. They want to get the line in and watch the bobber. Right. And then you can tell them not to scare the fish away. And so they have to be quiet. So you get a moment of peace. Right. So, I mean, let, if you were like looking to start out, fishing here um never been before i what i would do is i would go to a sporting goods store and i'd probably buy a mid to low range combo real yeah. rod and real combo and i generally you know there's if you really want to simplify it, you can find like a closed face reel i don't know if those really aren't too popular anymore but mm. they're usually around those are usually available for kids rods and other, otherwise like a spinning rod is what they'll call it it's mm-hmm. like a, a open face with a bale. With a what's called a bale, and you can think of that as like kind of almost like a trap door type kind deal of. that like lets line in or, or lets you reel line back in. Uh, or lets line out, I should say. You know. Yeah. And those are I feel that those are probably the most universal, you know, type yeah. deal. And you're gonna see a lot of them out there. And uh, they're super simple, you know, they're usually sure. You know, and just look for something right around that. You know, and it it does not have to be complicated. No, it really doesn't. You know, um, get some basic tackle, which is yeah. fairly inexpensive. You can shop right. bargain bins and tackle in every place I've ever seen them. Right. Set, you uh, know, sell and, tackle. You know, right. You know, realize that you know there's going to be a salesman there, and like he's, you know, going to we might tell you things like that. They're biting on literally everything here. Right. You know, and it's. Uh, you know, but if the shop is worth, oh, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So look for 
oftentimes people are very good about posting reports either online or at these tackle shops and For sure. and oftentimes they'll tell you specifically a color that they're using or mm-hmm. you know a presentation and presentation means either whether they're spinning or, or using a, a like a lindy rig that's a slang term for basically just a uh, a leader with a float on it that kind of gets things off the bottom a little bit. And they'll usually tell you what kind of bait they're using, crawlers or leeches or minnows, you know. It's one of those things that yeah. I've noticed uh, that people seem to be a little bit more open about yeah. chatting each other up on what's working. Right. Um, now, if you're in a specific place, like I told the story before about Doug and Brian meeting and, you know, what are you catching over there what are you catching (laughs) over there but i mean like you get to chatting with folks and people are a little bit more open about chatting about fishing i have noticed rather than like where the great big giant buck is right well you don't have generally speaking you don't have to work as hard right you know like there's not a lot compared to numbers of say walleyes you know there's probably a hundred walleyes in the world for every one deer yeah you know so it just makes accessibility is easier for sure. Essentially. So people are usually not quite as tight-lipped about that. So, And much like the gun shop, mm-hmm. if the shop's worth their salt and you tell them what you're looking to do, you're new, you just want to get started, mm-hmm. you're not looking to spend a ton of money or get overcomplicated, but mm-hmm. there's a creek out back of the neighborhood that you want to see if you can pull some catfish out of some bullheads even, whatever. Right. Bullheads then, are good eating, by the way. They are, yeah. <laughs> then... They should uh, listen to what you have to say and get you in the right direction. And if they don't, go to a different shop mm. or talk to a different person. Um, and that's going to be a reality trying to get started is you're going to run into that just like with every other thing. But, you know, yeah. that's how you find the people that point you in the right direction well, to get you started in the way that you need to go. I would say there's definitely a more social aspect of fishing. For sure, it, for sure. It's, not, it's definitely a more social activity because, right. like, me and you can have a conversation on the bank of the river and right. we're not worried about scaring away a deer or whatever. You. So, you know, so yeah. you can, you know, you can, you can hang out and do that. Right. You know, and it's... I, I mean, did it just last weekend. Right. <laughs> As part of a uh, bachelor party. I mean, we're getting a little older so we didn't get crazy. We just went fishing, but, like... Mm-hmm. That's what we did because you can be social and do that. Right. And still yeah. not scare away the fish. Although old boys used to tell us as kids that you'll scare away the fish if you're talking too much. <laughs> there is, there is something to that, especially in shallow water. Well, so. what really was irritating the guy that I was fishing with last weekend is, uh, again, having a few beers. And uh, there were horse flies next to the bank. And my wife is a horse trainer, so... I spend not a small amount of time around horses or more than the average person will say. So they were in there and I like would just give a little stomp of the feet to scare the horse flies off my legs. And he was like, that, I think that is what jars the fish a little bit because they have a lateral line down the side and that's how they like hear or feel the, uh, the vibrations in the water. So if Mm -hmm. you're stomping on the dock or splashing in the water or, you drop the needle nose player on the bottom of the boat, for instance. <laughs> that's what's gonna cause them to jerk around a little bit. I think personally, I think there's something to that. I've definitely noticed it more 
you know, when you're stationary fishing, like, mm-hmm. on the end of a dock, or right. I- ice fishing, if I'm, like, I make a lot of effort to be quiet when I'm ice fishing, especially right. in shallow water, mm-hmm. and, you like, you'll notice this, like, if you have a camera down in the water, ice fishing, and, like, Stump. you'll see a fish come in, mm-hmm. like, everyone gets all excited, and, like, right. moves, and shifts, and all of a sudden their boots hit the ice and hard or something, all of a sudden that thing tastes gone, right. you know, and you're just like, oh, okay, note to self. Yeah, <laughs> put that one in the Keep old database. Again, though, uh, adding to the mystery about why they care about things and don't, because it's a fish. Like, it's a lot harder to relate to than a mammal (laughs) um, or understand his motivations. Uh, I've seen a lot of times the pontoon pulls out of the lift Mm. and flies off, and within two minutes, that spot's hot. They're hitting bites right there. (laughs) Or you stop the boat, and you drop the jigs down in where the proper wash was, and off the back of the boat and you get strikes on that yeah there's definitely an element to being quieter or stirring water yeah you know so um so back to like the equipment thing here so if you're you're buying a rod you know spend the do spend the money and get a quality line for it yeah uh do you like braid or mono I prefer braid so what you know so what Tony's talking about is there's different types of line there's this there's braid, which is literally like almost like a wire. It's, it's like braided nylon, yeah, right? Braided nylon, I think. Yeah, it's super, super tough, and I prefer it because it, for what the type of fishing I do, which is usually jigging, it, it transmits that bump, that movement, so much without any loss because for because you feel that through you your rod, that, you know? and you learn right. as you fish to understand what the different feelings in the hand. Right. of your rod mean for what's going on with your right. hook at the end of the line in the water right so the disadvantages of it is is it it has no stretch um which can be advantage or disadvantage so you, you've got to play fish a little differently with it mm-hmm. um you you rarely lose any tackle with it you usually pull it out it doesn't break i <laughs> yeah. pulled uh, yeah. last weekend i pulled a jig hook straight that was on yeah we got hooked on a deadhead and i pulled the hook straight rather than breaking the line right so there is some guys that say like it will spook fish a little bit it's a little more visible in the I've water heard people say that the fish can see it yeah. that's why they don't like it and, and and that might there might be something to that i don't know because there's there, there has been days yeah where i'm using braid and i'm not catching anything the guy next to me is using mono which and he is and it's like is it what he's doing different is it because he's got that different line i don't know is he running different tackle you know right so and mono is what people typically consider like fishing line quote unquote yeah it's that i don't even know what it's made it's it's mono filament it's got to be it's some sort of plastic which means single filament yeah (laughs) thank you tony you're welcome (laughs) and uh it has got way 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 more stretch to it um Mm -hmm. especially at your lighter poundages the the line comes in different thicknesses for strength basically anyway yeah anywhere from like two pound up to whatever you know, so some pretty intense right. pound test out in salt water before. Yeah, so like I usually opt for something right around that six to eight pound range, you know, and that's gonna take you know be able to use ninety percent of my fish. Yeah, because even then, would. I mean, I know people have caught some lunkers on eight pound tests yep. that were much more than eight pound fish. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where you all play into you know how you play your fish, you mm-hmm. know, setting your drag so they're able to take line out without breaking it, right? You know, and and that's all things that you know that that's things you're going to learn as you go, but mm-hmm. it, it it is not complicated, folks. No. <laughs> you will you will figure it out in a hurry. So. Fishing is definitely one of the more accessible <laughs> ways to start getting out there for right. sure. You know, 
so and, and it pays you know so like I said we use I use a lot of jigs you know different sizes that you know play at a different current or depth you know generally speaking you know and we're trying to say this for accessibility so usually from shore you don't need to have a boat you know mm-hmm. don't you, you know there's a lot of elitists out there that say yeah if I can't go fishing on the boat I'm not going but you know, Some you know, of the best fish catch fish off the dock all the time that we eat. Yeah, so fish relate to habitat, which is another term in the fishing world as what we call structure. And a lot right. of that structure is near shores. Yeah, you know, so structure can be rocks or you know boulders in the water, vegetation in the water, you know, dead trees, what have you. Just it's, like a deer, a deer yeah. isn't going to go stand out in the open of a, middle of an open field where there's nothing to eat. They're going right. to go to the shelter belts and trees. Yep, and, and, that sort of and, stuff. and for the same reasons, it's for protection, it's for sh- shade, it's for mm-hmm. you know, you know, to hide. In, in some cases, know. for fish, it's more oxygen rich next to the vegetation yeah. under the water. You know, so the, these are the types of things that when I'm going out and finding body water, that's what I'm looking for. I'm, I'm looking for that that structure of sorts, mm-hmm. you know, because the fish relate to that. You know, there you know there is some bodies of water in the lake. You know, they're out on flats. They're, they're pulling, dragging across the mud flats or whatever. You know, yeah. and it, um, I don't do that often, I guess. You yeah. know, some, there's at times it's really productive, but it's just it's not something that I'm used to. So um, I'll look for, especially like a fish on like a river or something, I'm looking for a break in the water. You'll see it from the top, Yeah. you know, where the water, you'll see the lines in the water. Mm-hmm. You know, that line where it's like water starts to curl back around or there's a, you know, there's or it's like a break in the water, so there's a little bit of calm water behind mm-hmm. a rock or something like that. Especially in moving bodies, in moving bodies, water. So that's oftentimes where the fish are going to hang out, because it requires less energy to hang out in that little piece of water, and then right. just dart out and grab something that's floating by, and yeah. come back to that rock. You so know, what we did this last weekend is we find little eddies and things like yep. that 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 were off of the main current of the river that would stick out and cause little swirling eddies behind these things little like lagoons and pools back there mm-hmm. and we just go out to the edge of the the jetty that was sticking out into the current and mm-hmm. just float down through that spiraling yep. water behind you know, it because like the bait fish you know everything the, the, the bigger fish like to eat get caught up in that type of stuff and it mm-hmm. just it makes it easy for them to feed so what you just got to do basically just put that in front of them yeah you know so we caught one whole carp so what do I know about fishing <laughs> in the river but <laughs> Well, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, there's a frustration level to it, you know. But so. we were still out there, and we still had fun. And right. we went and messed around on a sandbar for a while and, yeah. you know, told some jokes and had some laughs. And the social part of fishing is great. Because mm-hmm. even if you're doing it ultra-local and you live in a, you know, a community that has a man-made pond that they stock mm-hmm. even, right. you can go out there. And even if you're brand new, you can talk to the neighborhood folks. Like, uh, we have a dam in the Rome River. The -hmm. people uh, fish at the bottom of the dam all the time, and there's Mm -hmm. guys throwing lines in there. And we'll go for a walk down there and just chat up the guys. What are you running? What are you fishing Mm -hmm. with? What are you catching? And like you say, the social aspect of fishing is a lot more open about talking about those things a lot of the times. Right. Mm -hmm. And now I want to make a distinction here, too. We're talking about, quote, unquote, gear fishing. Right. Fly fishing is a different world. (laughs) That's oh. only because they want it to be. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> and I, I plan on getting out to some places where that's a thing to do for the first time and talking about it on this podcast. But right now, that's a whole different world that is a whole different thing. It's still fishing, but 
the cost up front and uh, the purity score attached to that <laughs> seems to be a little bit different than gear fishing. In the, it's almost obnoxious. Uh, <laughs> yep. Well, and, I should, and I should clear, I have a fly rod. And it's for a reason, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it's... it's, it's uh, analogous to gun hunting versus bow hunting, gear fishing versus fly fishing. <laughs> I don't even want to allow that because it's so. Uh, it can be so obnoxious. So, they both can be so obnoxious. <laughs> it's just the as far as I path of the arrow, man. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, fly fishing is just another method. To right, catch right, fish. right. And it's still like super fun, and there's yeah. a meditation to tying your own flies and all that yeah. stuff. I get it. I get it. We're talking about gear fishing here, <laughs> and like the sparkly bass boats. Why is every bass boat right. sparkly? Why? <laughs> I, I don't know. And why is it a bass boat? Can I catch other stuff out of that boat? <laughs> what about northern? Do I get to <laughs> cut my line if I catch a northern in the bass boat? Yeah. Can I even run a spoon out of a bass boat? Is that fine? I, I don't think that's okay. I, I think that's a punishable offense. Actually. All right. Well, I'll keep that in mind. No spoons and sparkly boats. All right. So... <laughs> So we're kind of I mean, there's so many different ways of approaching a lot of is regional for these fishing right. things, but you know one thing that's almost universal for uh, every state is information available to you for fishing from your state game and fish agency. Uh, one of the big things that you know what again one of the more important things they do is manage the resource you know it's not necessarily the hunter and fisherman you know so like they got to go out and do their counts you know they know so they understand populations of the Mm -hmm. what fishes are in the lake you know they do um you know they'll break it down per lake you'll be able to look up a specific lake and say they'll know like what species inhabit that lake and often you know the minnesota dnr really breaks it down one thing we see around here is there are these little uh lake maps yeah it's like literally called lake maps and it's every lake cabin i've ever been in has one mike or magneted to the fridge and it's your lake and it's you know miles or the distance to shoreline maximum depth some topo circles under the depth uh, and what kind of fish you're pulling out of there, and what the bottom conditions are. Yep, it'll have you know basically the contours, the right. lake, or whatever you know. And I yeah. use those a lot, you know, because like, you know, structure. Like I said, it can be rocks or trees, vegetation. Changes it all, in depth. It changes in those depths, you know. Mm-hmm. The, you know, a start a, a steep drop off is a great place to fish for predatory fish. They'll use that as an ambush point. And basically, you all know. the fish you want to try and catch are predatory fish. At, at some level, just yeah, to, yeah, you know, even panfish are eating something smaller than them. Yep, you know, um, that's just the way it is. So I'm gonna say too, the Navionics app is <laughs> yeah. ten bucks a year, but I mean, it's amazing, or maybe right. ten bucks for one time. I think but, it's one time, yeah. But you get that forever, and that has every waterway I think in America, and probably offshore for a long time too. For a, for a lot of them, yeah, yeah. And it, you know, it's certain in the water like. For instance, you mentioned Lake Skakawea. Like, there's certain ones that have that mapped, and certain ones that don't. Right. It's like, you know, my cousin was out. Excuse me, last weekend, and mm. they were fishing. And they caught really big fish in like 40 feet of water. Last year, that same exact spot geographically was 20 feet of water. Right. Because there's so much more water there now, so it's tough to map that lake. Right. They like. Yeah, well, you're in eight feet of water. It's like, no, sir, I am a... 25 uh, feet of water. Or or I'm 100 yards from the water. Right. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, Depending on the, what the lake's doing that year. So. Especially certain waterways and things like the yeah. Missouri, the channel can change. You go right. up the river, 
And when you come back down, the channel's in a different spot. Yeah, or there's obstruction. Yeah, or it's obstructed know. or whatever. Right. Depending on how long you spend out there for, during the day, but that channel can migrate quickly, so it's hard to stay mapped, and I get that. But right. as a general thing, yeah, I found it very useful, especially for more static type waterways like mm -hmm. lakes and yeah, like most that. of the lakes. Yeah, that that app is there. Yeah. So and it's. Uh, a great tool you know mm -hmm. i use something a little different but i mean it's that's right on your phone and everyone's got a cell phone these days right you know I like navionics right uh, for water and on x maps for land yeah i'm a little more old little old school i don't like using my phone for those types of things mm -hmm. i use i have a handheld gps that i prefer for those yeah so but that's neither here nor there you know tomato tomato right you know, you're getting essentially the same information mm -hmm. so for sure so, you know, look at, you know, with, you know, a lot of those, those, that mapping stuff was done by some DNR, you know, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, but, you know, not all of it's available to them. Some there's sure. the private ones that, you know, have sure. done that lake mapping, but oftentimes, yeah, those maps, like, oftentimes, like, game and fish agencies will have, like, a more general map. Yeah. They're just not as well contoured, you know, right. but, because you know, conditions change based on, yeah. but it's still there. Year you know, it, well, runoff. It's that and that, you know, they only have so many resources and money to, right. you know. To, Stay on top of it you all know, the time. You know, it's like if you want better information, I guess you're going to get taxed more. Well, and <laughs> ecosystems are a living thing too, so things change right. up to and including water depths and the particulars of shorelines and things like that. Right. So on top of that, you know, oftentimes, uh, especially for ice fishing, but, you know, the same it's the same principle anywhere, is I'm looking at stocking lists and where the DNA and our game of fish is like, putting in baby fish many many waterways are stocked by right local wildlife management agencies right you know so i'm checking that out to see you know what small lake is going to be hot next you know yeah. so like for instance for like perch which is a hugely popular game fish because it's basically because of its easy catchability and it's you know people love to eat them um, about four or five years after a place is stocked, you know, it, that's really when you, when you start hitting it hard. Yeah, okay. You know, so you're going to start hitting, you know, catching a lot of the, you know, the, the more of those eater size, you know, nine, ten inch. You have the tiniest little baby perch. perches in the world in our lakes, but in right. a few years, they'll be big. Yeah, well, it, and there's certain cases where they're basically, they're overstocked. Yeah. And like those fish will just never reach a point because there isn't the forage basis in there right. for perch it, it might have been those perch were perched there mm. as the forage basis mm. for something bigger for the walleyes for the muskies you know for the northerns that's why the perch are there rather than as a fishing like something for the for guys that fish specifically for perch Learned it's you know lot. there's more to it than right you know than people you know oftentimes give it credit for right so I've um, learned a lot in the last three or four years that, like, I definitely misidentified a tiny little baby perch. I thought it was, like, a tiny little baby walleye. And I was <laughs> like, oh, ha, ha, biggest walleye ever. And somebody's like, that's a perch. And I was like, oh, damn, damn it. <laughs> idiot, idiot. I'm the idiot. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? That yeah. happens. That, yeah, I guess it doesn't. Yeah, except for don't be an idiot, Tony. I threw it back if that helps you out. <laughs> that helps. Well, it, well, you know, and you kind of have to set, you know, certain places are going to have their own, like, slot limits. Minnesota's right. got slot limits, you know, for, you know, it's got to be between a certain inch 
uh, for walleyes anyway, like, and that changes from lake to lake. So it really pays to have that that booklet sure. with you. For sure, you know, read that up and down, know it, you know, because they will check. And if you're like, if you have a fish that's eighth of an inch too long or too short, yep. you know, yeah, that is a violation, and you're gonna get a ticket. Right, you know, and so. that is where I have personally been visited by the DNR man, yeah, Department of Natural Resources man, by far and away most often fishing. Mm-hmm. Personally. Yeah. It, you're, well, think about where you are. You're in a highly accessible place. Yep. You know, for his bang for his buck of being yep. able to check people to make sure they're in compliance, that's where he's going to see most people. Right. It's going to be easy for him to check the most people, you yep. know. So, for sure. Um, it makes sense that way, too. So. And as far as easy accessibility to gear, too, and getting your little book, like uh, I said go to a fishing store, but you don't even need to go do that. Like you can go to depending on the state you're in, like a fleet farm or a tractor supply or a, I mean, Cabela's Sportsman's Warehouse, like they they all have uh, uh, even like a Dick's Sporting Goods. Right. Any decent sporting goods store that isn't entirely like high school sports specific is going to have a fishing section. Right. And they'd be fools not to just melt it spent on fishing. Right. You know, they'd, again, the same type of deal as like, you know, there's a, a, a tax act specifically on fishing gear that For goes sure. towards waters. So well, and they, those places, you might have to be somewhat more savvy in uh, the salesman navigation aspect of it. Right. But there's also going to be plenty of salesmen in those places that want to get you the right thing. Right. And yeah. they're probably more uh, to the uninitiated, accessible, and easy to talk to as far as people to talk to in those things and places that might be a little bit more mentally comfortable to just walk in and say, I don't know what I'm doing. I need help. Mm-hmm. So, Or I would love to know more about what gear I need for this area. Right. And I don't want to spend XYZ things. But, um, and then on the way out of those places, if they sell fishing gear, they should have the state regulations right there in a pamphlet. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know about every state, but the states that I've been in and fished in, it's just a free to take to the public, grab it. And the fishing culture is big in these states, so they're everywhere. You can grab them at the grocery store in some towns. Right. Um, and then that'll tell you everything about your limits, lakes, regions, areas, identification, legal method of take for species, all that stuff. Right. So, so that's kind of... Fishing in a in a, a large nutshell. In I a guess. very large nutshell. You know, we could do a. I'm I'm sure there are podcasts specifically about many. fishing, and that's it. Yeah. But from a couple of fair weather fishermen that have young kids and young families, yeah. that just want to get out there and do it. Right. It's something that doesn't need to be that intense and can really be accessible for people that just want to right. get outside and get some yeah. of their own food. And it's you know. With that um, accessibility, you know, the, especially with waters, it's, in, it's so important to talk about, you know, what water is to everybody. Oh, yeah. You know, there's, you know, the, so overlooked. But basically, so with few exceptions, you know, there is private lakes out there, or whatever. But essentially, water belongs to the people. For na- you know, and uh, it's all waters of the U.S. Basically, and. Yeah. Some states have different 
rules based on access, but right. in Minnesota, all waterways have to have a public access. Right. Over a certain like uh, acreage of the water, I think. Right. Or you know, or, or meandering, or if it's a stream or right. what have you. Know. So you do need to pay attention to that. You know, sometimes it's public, private access. But the land around the water yeah. can be private, but the water itself yeah. is all public. Right. In it's, my state. Right. So, and, and generally speaking, that that is the law. That is the rule anywhere. The water itself is public, but it is important to like some of that access rules for like, for instance, I think it's like Colorado, like where their state says, yes, the water is public, but all land, including, so if you're going through private land, that yeah. the water flows through private land. Yes, you can be in the water, but you cannot touch the ground underneath it. There's... Oh, so you can't yeah. even bounce on the bottom. You can't set an anchor. You can't stand on it. And the only thing you can do is float it. Fair enough. You know, so it's important to know those things. But it, you know, but what I'm getting at is is know that you know all that water belongs to you and your neighbor equally. Yeah. And no matter where you are, you we we all live upstream and we all live downstream. Yeah. And so it's. You know, it's why these waters are so important, um, you know, both public access and just be for, ha- and again, habitat and just because, you know, it, it belongs to you. You have a stake in it. Right. You know, so it's always important, to, you know, to be involved with those public access fights. I know. One point that you really personally drove home to me mm-hmm. um, is we were talking about a point I made in the last podcast about Minnesota waterfowl hunting and the destination aspect before and why it might not quite be as such in a way that it was in the past now. And you said, well, it's habitat. And one of my hats mm-hmm. is a, in a different aspect of my life is lean six Sigma. And there's a thing in that called five, the five whys ask why five times. <laughs> so you said, well, it's not really a place for that. Like it used to be. Well, why? Well, because, uh, there's not as many ducks as there used to be. Well, why? Mm. Well, because the habitat's not great. Well, why? Because it all goes back to the water. Right. Because of the water. The water quality's different, and that comes down to, like we were saying, uh, uh, activities that happen on lakefront properties or waterfront properties, mm. um, runoff from agriculture in the water area. What, and, and, uh, I'm not, and we're not just picking on egg. There's a no. shit ton of runoff from cities. Runoff from cities? Like, yeah. uh, I've heard other folks say that, like, uh, if you can't name what drainage you live on, you got no business being a hunter and fisherman. I've heard people say that on different podcasts, and they might not be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I personally live on the Rum River drainage that's got a lot of stuff going on around it. And, I mean, it's not bad. Right. Per se, but that water quality is something that is often overlooked for a lot of different reasons. Mm. Like Lake Winnipeg used to be like a glass of the water out of there was green from the runoff on the Red River. We have an Environmental Protection Agency and a Clean Water Act because of water pollution. Right. You know, when these rivers were getting lit on fire from the contamination. I mean, can you imagine enough contamination in a river that it can can spark and light it on fire? It's disgusting. You know, you realize just how important something like this is. So, you know, even if you don't ever intend to hunt or fish, uh, you know, this fresh water means something to you. It affects your daily life. Well, and, uh, yeah, I think... What we're banging on about is, as a fisherman, you have a responsibility towards that. 
Yeah. If you're going to do that, or a fisher as an angler, you have a responsibility towards that, and that is including invasive species too. Yep. Because that is something that we see a lot, uh, whether it be aquatic milfoil or zebra mussels or whatever. When you go from one water spot to another, Asian carp, when you go from one watershed to another, there's things that live in that and one that might not live in the other that might be detrimental to the other. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a microcosm of the larger ecological picture that feeds the larger ecological picture that Mm -hmm. you get to learn more about and be closer to when you're a hunter or Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, an angler. And you also get to, uh, I don't know from what I can tell as the water goes, so does the greater ecosystem. Yeah. So if you're paying That's attention, if you're yeah. paying attention to the water, it will help you pay attention to the other things in your right. larger ecosystem to help you always be scouting for your hunting. Right. Well, and it's you know the reason why we're doing this is to recruit. Right. You know, and it, you know, it's and I, I want. I want people to hunt to care about hunting and fishing, you know, but For sure. it, you know, even it just as important as I, I want people to care about you know the, the things around them, you know. Right. And if that's all you get out of this is just that you you have a vested stake and you know like hey maybe you know the, the environment around you yeah you know the public comment period for you know should we put this you know right next to here right you know type deal um well, it matters. Maybe, a, maybe a copper nickel mine I don't yeah know. <laughs> you know and it, it matters to you you know whether you realize it or not so you know try you know it, it, be involved but you know don't be so oblivious to Right. You know, these things that, you know, they, they do affect you, whether you know it or not. You pay some, you pay something towards that, whether you know it or not. You know, you have a stake. For sure. You know, so. You take it, for granted turning on the tap and being able to drink the water out of it. it, it yeah, well, it, it's, it's funny how, like I said, America, you know, Americans, you know, the modern side, we are spoiled as shit. <laughs> God, are we spoiled. And that's why we're soft. You know? Yeah. And it, it, it's, you know, it, it, like I said, we take so many things for granted, you know, and uh, it's, it's, it, it's, it's frustrating. Well, so. and as you say, our goal is to recruit people and get yeah. people hunting and mm-hmm. uh, bring this world to light in a way that is a, an often misunderstood world, I think, to light mm-hmm. in a way that can bring people in and participate because it's important to you and it's important to me. And if we're going to do that, I think... The, I want to do that in a way that makes the most responsible and respectful people that, mm-hmm. and new hunters and anglers that uh, build it up for everyone. Right. Right. And so if we're trying to do that, we're going to do it the best way we know how, which is why we're harping on about the DNR is your friend and this mm-hmm. is important. And uh, in a way, like I've said before, that you're connected to the wild places. Mm-hmm. As in a way that's a lot more uh, involved, it they mean that much more to you, right? Including yeah. the water from fishing, right? Well, and it, you know, like they it, again, a type, you know, that hunting is conservation mm-hmm. type deal. Right. Fishing is conservation because you know, when I, you know, and I do, I do like that, you know, do. Yeah. you know that, it, but it has made some of us lazy, yeah. And the fact that like we say like, well, I hunt there, I'm a conservationist because my money goes there, and without right. that, yes, it, 
it could not be done. No, you know, hunters and fishermen so, finance conservation more than any other individual. Right. So let's group. say you know, like, you know, think of it as like a bagel shop. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so like the the, the hunter, you know, the, you know the guy, you know, the used to run the mill hunter, you know, the guy that goes into the bagel shop, buys his bagels, pays leaves. Yeah. You know. That is the bread and butter of that business, mm-hmm. you know? And so imagine, you know, that's absolutely necessary right. for that business to survive. And we'll say that business is like the ecosystem as a whole, you know? Sure. That, that, need, that needs to happen for that business to survive. So, like, the person that goes in, buys that bagel, and is like... But also goes and tells his friends like, "Hey, I got this great bagel shop here. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you guys should come check this out. It's it's just awesome. You know, I love it. It's good. You know, the guy that you know puts a little bit of money in that tip jar for you know to help you know, helps yeah. those out, out a little more. You know, these are your conservation groups that are they're advocates. You right. know, that they're like they're putting a little bit more effort in. Just tell everyone how awesome this bagel shop is and how good these bagels are. You know, you're." Mm-hmm. Your anti-hunting militant vegan is the person standing across the street with a sign and screaming at those people. If you truly cared about those bagels, you wouldn't eat them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, and that's not how it works. You know, the person cares about those bagels because they have a vested interest in those bagels of eating those bagels. Yes, you know, this is so. It just <laughs> sounds so funny when you when you just. The logic is exactly the same, <laughs> exactly the same. But when you say bagel instead of deer, right? It sounds so much, you know. And I get different. it, yeah. Like I'm not, you know, that bagel somewhere down the line, that bagel is responsible for the death of an animal. It just yeah. was, because it, it took was. Ha- it took habitat from somewhere, yeah. you know, to grow the wheat. You know, it's all a balance. But I mean, I mean, just because you're, you, you know, you if you're spending your time and money to to mm-hmm. fight me yeah. to be for being a hunter conservationist, you're doing more harm than good. You yeah. know, so you're not putting your money generally you're putting your money towards fighting me. You're not putting it towards conservation and right. you know, all these other things. You're just not. There's no groups doing that. Right. You know? You know, show me. Show me anywhere that like an anti hunting group is putting as much into habitat conservation as the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Oh, yeah. It does not exist. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so it, you know, again, in this, but it's, you know, it's the exact same thing, same thing with these waters, you know. Right. So I, I just, I, I, excuse me as I step off my soapbox. Please. But, uh, you know, realize that, you know, I want you to enjoy these land, in these lands and these waters, you know, but uh, it's, it's a huge responsibility to take care of them, whether or For not sure. you're hunting and angling on them. Absolutely. And that's actually, like like we're saying, we want to recruit new people, but we want to recruit people to do it right. Right. And personally, I haven't ran into the what I call old boy attitude mm. uh, more prevalently anywhere than when I'm fishing. Yeah. Personally, you get a lot of the old boys that maybe dump the extra minnows in the lake or maybe got more in their freezer than their bag limits allow. <laughs> or maybe that DNR man... They don't know shit about this. Like, you can catch, you know, walleye all day. Right. I don't care. And it's... So, I think that's part of what gets to our name in this podcast, the new Venivores, is there's a newer attitude coming out about this where there's this traditional, like, sign shooter mentality sometimes. 
And I see a lot more often now people that are not into that mm-hmm. and they have a bad taste in their mouth, but it's not because of that, but it's not like that. Right. For all the reasons you just said. Right. So well, soapbox is done. Yeah. <laughs> and fishing. Go fishing. Right. Fishing's fun. You know? It's relaxing, it's meditative. And I know some people where it's just not their thing, and that's fine too. Right. But at least, you know, care enough about those fish to protect the water. Yeah, even if fishing's <laughs> not your thing. Right. Care enough about the place where you live and the habitat for the things that live there because it starts with the water. So, all right, there you go. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> I will say there are some finer points to that depending on the situation, so make sure to educate yourself about that first. Right. <laughs> but... Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, uh, thanks to Craig Minowa and Cloud Cult for letting us use the song Running with the Wolves as the intro and outro to our program. Put the time in. Get the practice in. Put the time on the range. Put the time on educating yourself. Put the time in building that network and building that database. Always be scouting. There are all sorts of places where you can get involved to uh, contribute to that conservation. We just discussed Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation pheasants forever ducks unlimited uh wild turkey federation quality deer management associations i can't think of any for fish off the top of my head right now but i'm sure there's a ton of them so get involved with those two uh state and local wildlife management agencies pretty much all those places we i have just mentioned should have new hunter programs get involved with that find a mentor uh start building that social network have fun with it because that's really what we're doing out there. If it's not fun, it's not going to be worth it to get out there. So make sure you're having fun too. Cause we talk about a lot of heavy stuff, but at the end of the day, it is just fun. So sharpen your teeth, dig deep. Cubicles and little flaming pies